learning about our salvation through the eyes of Peter, next on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Calvert. Our series is entitled Knowing Your Salvation. It's good to understand and know what we've been saved from, what it took to save us, and what we've been saved to. We're looking at the source of our salvation, the substance of it, and the sufficiency of it through the eyes of Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 is where we're at today. That's where we would invite you to join us as we continue our look at our salvation as we understand it, again, through the eyes of Peter. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, our teacher and pastor now at today's edition of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God, and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I believe these two verses, verses 3 and 4, our context are for today, are probably two of the most absolutely crucial verses in the Bible for Christians to understand and apply to their lives if they're going to experience a thriving Christian life. I think all of us are touched in some way on this earth by different situations. Troubles, sickness, we live in these sinful bodies, we live in this sinful planet that's fallen all around us, whether it's temptation, sin, failure, disappointment, alienation, sorrow, loneliness, weakness, pain, all these things seem to close in on us at times at different points in life. And we all know that that's part of our life experience. You don't, even for Christians, you don't become a Christian and then all these problems just go away. But I want to ask the question this morning, what do we do when we're faced with all these different issues as believers? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to deal with it? Uh, where are we supposed to go to solve the issues of life? I think that most of us would say, well, we go to God. Some of us may be honest and say, you know what, sometimes it almost seems like God doesn't care. Sometimes we question whether we can actually turn to God. Does he love us enough to give us what we need after we're saved to get through some of these situations that we face? Or is God a God that just saves you, he gets things going for your Christian life, and then he says, you know what, uh, I'm going to leave you to your own devices and your own struggles and you figure out the rest and you kind of squirm your way through the rest of your Christian life dealing with sin and failure time after time after time. And you want to stop and you want to ask yourself, is that the way the Christian life is meant to be lived? 
Is that what God saved us to? A life of pain and struggle. When you read even Christian psychologists, a lot of people in the, that realm of professionalism, psychology will tell you, even though you have God and you have been saved through Christ, there's still need for therapy. You still are inadequate. God can't meet those kind of needs in your life. Even people of religion would say, well, yeah, you know, now that you're saved, you may know Christ, but somehow you, you have to get more of him. You don't have enough of Jesus. Uh, you need some kind of a special experience or a special anointing from him to really be adequate. So we end up with the body of Christ who's supposed to be united, but yet it's divided because you have the haves and the have-nots. You have those who think that they have achieved greater spirituality and superiority over those who have not certain things. And so you've got to ask the question, does God save us and then just give us enough grace to squeak by day by day? You know, we sing that song, your grace is enough. You could understand that one of two ways. It's barely enough <laughs> or that it's more than enough. Maybe God has saved us, but do we actually see God in our daily lives sanctifying us? making us more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we really believe that one day, yeah, God saved us, and one day he will actually glorify us? It comes down to the word sufficient. Are we sufficient in our salvation? Or is there something more that we need to have? I know in college when I was in school, we had a gentleman come to a chapel and he taught a thing on discipleship. And the whole, his whole premise was, well, you come to Jesus as Savior, but then there's something more. You have to acknowledge him as Lord. And so he drew a line in Scripture between those who were mere believers in Christ and those who were disciples of Christ. And he made a distinguishment between the two. I don't see that now as I look at Scripture. I think if you're a disciple of Christ, you're a follower of Christ, you're a believer in Christ, it's impossible to be a believer in Christ and not be his disciple. That or your belief is in vain. So does God give us just enough of this grace to get by, to squeak by? Or does he make us sufficient? Sometimes you talk to people, you know, about going to heaven and they'll say, yeah, I'll probably just squeak in, <laughs> you know, just by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I want to share with you this morning some verses briefly. They're not really in your outline, so I put them up on the screen and, and uh, just the references there and some of the text. But um, you can follow along. And, and these verses talk about the goodness of God. They talk about that our God provides more than we, what we need. They talk about the greatness of God. In Exodus, for example, verse 34, chapter 34, verse 6, the Lord says, I am compassionate, I am gracious, I am abounding in loving kindness. Not that I got enough just to hopefully... Have you squeak by? No, he says, I'm compassionate, I'm gracious, and I'm abounding in loving kindness. Lamentations chapter 3 says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions, they never, ever fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? Aren't you, aren't you, can't you rejoice this morning with me that our God, his compassions never fail, his grace, his loving kindness never ceases? That every day when you wake up in the morning, it's a new day in Christ? There's some days I go through that, boy, I can't wait for that new day. 
Psalm 103.11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. You say, well, how high is the heaven above the earth? We don't know. <laughs> or Psalm 121. You can turn there with me. Read the whole psalm. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What a wonderful package of promises there we find in Psalm 121. Basically, it says God's got everything covered. He's taking care of everything for you. You turn to the New Testament, you see in John 1.16, it says, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace from the fullness of Christ. We just didn't get part of that when we got saved. We got the whole thing. John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have, what? Abundant life. That you may have it more abundantly. Are we living the abundant Christian life today or are we just kind of dragging ourselves through this sin-stained world each day, trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps to get through another day? Romans 8, 17 says, we are not just heirs, but we are, look at this, joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. And all that God gives to Christ, incredible verse, he gives to us. That's what that means. We have a right to that because we're, we're in Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 says, For all things belong to you. Who's he writing to? He's writing to that church that struggled. He's not writing to some elite Christians. No, he's writing to the Corinthians. They were kind of the bottom of the barrel when it comes to churches. They had all sorts of issues. They were carnal in every way, the Bible says. They were dealing with sin within the ranks and all kinds of chaos going on in their church. But what he says to them is, For all things belong to you. He goes on, he says, whether it's Paul or Apollos, Cephas, the world, death, life, present, things to come, all these things belong to you. doesn't matter what they are. We have them in Christ. Because he says there, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. See, we're all wrapped up together with Christ, and whatever God and Christ possess, we possess. I mean, when you stop and think about it, we possess the world because God made it for us. We possess life, spiritual life, eternal life in Christ. The Bible says that even in death, that's gain for the Christian. We don't need to fear death. We possess things present in our daily life, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever, painful, joy, disappointment, whatever it might be, healthness, sick. See, God gave it all to us so that he could work all these things together, the Bible says, for our good. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Look at this. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you know that God, when he saved you, he made you sufficient? 
You don't have to go groveling around in the closet for something more. That's not how God saved you. God saved you sufficiently. He saved you completely. That word sufficient there really means to be self-contained. To be self-contained. It means to be independent of external circumstances in your life. It means to be independent of even the services of other people. I remember when I was saved and I went to college and I had no one to disciple me. I had, you know, nobody. But God, you know what? He took care of me. Why? Because I was sufficient in Christ to deal with whatever came down the pike. So many times we're so quick to take somebody who makes a profession of faith. They say they come to Christ and rather than wait and see how God has transformed their life, we take them right away and we start teaching them all these things. And it's my opinion that there's a lot of people in the church that have never been transformed. They've just been taught a lot of good things. So they learn the language of Christianity, but their heart is still cold. There's no life there. There's been no transformation because they've been, quote, discipled without having any change in their life. Now, we know that as a body of Christ, we're supposed to be dependent upon one another. That's clear. The, the Word of God tells us that, but not when it comes to our salvation. The Apostle Paul is very clear. He says that we are all self-sufficient in Christ. He's made us competent. He's made us capable. He's given us everything we have in Christ. So never think of yourself as a Christian and think of yourself as being insufficient, unable to do what God has called you to do. Because as you rely on him, as you rely on the power of the Spirit in your life, the Bible says that you're completely sufficient for every work that God has called you to. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, look at this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything possibly known, he's blessed us with. Ephesians 2.7 says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In other words, you can't even measure his grace. His, his grace overflows all bounds of measurement in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Grace upon grace he gives us. Ephesians 3, 17 to 18 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, look at what it says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. I mean, that's measurement in every way. It's almost incomprehensible. And I get tired sometimes of Christians who are off found wandering somewhere else looking for something more. When if they're truly saved, beloved, they have everything they need right there within themselves, in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by, empty, or by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And then he says this, For in him, in Christ, the Whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled or made complete in him. We're already complete in Christ. There's nothing to add who is the head of all rule and authority. Sometimes we think that somehow God saves us and then, you know, just gives us enough to kind of get through each day. In the words of Solomon Ecclesiastes 3.14, the word of God says this, I know that everything God does will remain forever. And then it says this, there is nothing to add to it 
nothing to add to it, and there's nothing to take from it. What's that saying? Whatever God gave you, you know what? You can't add anything to it. If God saved you in Christ, you, you can't add to that salvation. We're sufficient in Christ. Do we need more of Jesus? No, we don't. We need to utilize what he's already given us. Do we need more of his power? No, we don't. We need to utilize what he's already given us. Do we need more of his love? No. The Bible says that his love is shed abroad in our hearts. Do we need some kind of human help, some kind of therapy, some kind of psychology beyond Scripture? I would say you turn to God first. You turn to God first. Because Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, you know, there's nothing missing here. God is complete in his provision for us. You say, well, why did so many Christians doubt that? Why are so many Christians out wandering around looking for something more? Exactly my point. Maybe they're not saved. Maybe they've never come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Maybe they're just trusting in some experience. Maybe they're just trusting in, in some prayer they prayed. But they've never seen Jesus Christ literally transform their life. Everywhere you turn in the New Testament, when people came to Christ and were touched by Christ, they were transformed. You could see that they were saved. You could see that there was a, a change in their life. Something started different in their, in their walk, in their life. They left sin behind and they turned to the Savior and they, they ran after the Savior. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, then it says this, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What Paul's saying there is, look, if, you, if, if God gave his own son, he didn't hold back anything. He gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave him up for all of us. So you think once you're in Christ, he's going to hold something back from you when he's already given you everything he has? Silly. In Christ, we are sufficient, beloved. We have a sufficient salvation to save us. Do we need fellowship? Definitely. We're commanded to fellowship. Do we need wisdom? Yes. The Bible says there's, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Do we need mutual care? Definitely. The New Testament tells us that we should care for one another through kindness and counsel, all those things. But when it comes to spiritual resources... We uh, have the very indwelling of the Spirit through that miracle of salvation that happens, and we're self-contained, sufficient believers. God wasn't stingy when he gave us salvation. He gave us everything there is to give. Matter of fact, Jesus likens salvation to a wedding feast. And the reason he does is because back then a wedding feast was something that was lavishly done, over the top. Well, when we come to verse 3 in 2 Peter... We've already talked about in verse 1 the source of our salvation. We talked about the substance of our salvation in verse 2. In verse 3 and 4, we see the sufficiency of our salvation. The sufficiency of our salvation. His divine power. His divine power. That's the source of our sufficiency. See, we're not sufficient in and of ourselves. Don't take that away from my message. That's heresy. No, we're sufficient in Christ. We're sufficient because he gave us that supernatural energy, that supernatural power through the power of the Spirit. It's not because we did anything. It's not natural power. It's a supernatural power. It's not human power. It's divine power. And so Peter begins here with 
just assuring our hearts that our salvation and all of its benefits come to us through the power of God. Look at, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. It says there in verse, Ephesians 3 verse 20. Love this section of Ephesians. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. When you pray to God and you expect him to answer to your prayer, do you expect him to do far more abundantly than even what you're asking for? I would say most of us don't. <laughs> Matter of fact, probably a great majority here even this morning would be hard-pressed to say, yeah, if I asked, okay, raise your hand the last time God answered one of your prayers, you saw that answer in a supernatural way. Might be hard-pressed to put your hand up. It may have been weeks, months, who knows? But it's not because of God's lack of desire. It says to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Look at, according to the power at work where? In us. In us. The power of God that's working in and through us for those that know Christ. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, beloved, that resurrection power operates in you and in me each and every day. We can do things that we can't even think about. We can do things that we can't even speak about because it's divine power. It's his power. First Peter, it says his divine power. Well, who, who is he referring to? He's referring to Jesus. Has to be. That's why he qualifies divine. That's why he qualifies the power. If he just says God's power, obviously it would be divine power. You wouldn't have to put divine in there. But because he qualifies it with his, he's referring back to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ have power? You bet he did. When he was on earth, you can look throughout the New Testament and find where he literally just drove sickness from an area when he went there. He had supernatural divine power. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus Christ was the Son of God with power. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says that Paul rejoiced at the power of Christ and that it dwelt in him. A supernatural power. I like what John MacArthur says. He said this, the Christian can never experience a power failure. <laughs> you can get unplugged, he says. You can turn the, the switch off, but the power is still there. Never fails. Divine power. That, that power that where you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That divine power, it says, is granted to us. His divine power, the power of Jesus Christ, has been granted to us. That word granted is a compound word. It, it's in the perfect tense in the original language, which means that God has generously granted us this permanent power. Something that he gave us way back here, and it still is active. It still has results in our life today. That's the meaning of that word. Notice that it says his divine power was granted to us. It was something that had to be given to us. We, we couldn't come up with this on our own. It's something outside of ourselves. And Jesus, our Lord, by divine power, generously, continuously gives us this power. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.